Good afternoon, Crimes Hub listeners. It's Jackie Cisneros. And Jonathan Rodriguez with your weekly Spooky True uh, Crime episode. We've drained all our energy and strength working and researching into a play-by-play of November 14, 1959, Holcomb, Kansas, more specifically in the night hours after 11 p.m. Today we speak of the horrors that occurred that day, four shocking shells that ended six lives and certainly did forever change daily lives of those honeycomb citizens. The very next morning of that tragic date, the highly praised Clutter family, Bonnie, a loving mother, Nancy and Kenyon, both very outstanding and well-known students, and the head of the family, Mr. Herbert Clutter, were found dead in the comfort of their own home. All members of the family were extremely responsible and cherished by all in the community. According to the KBI agent Nye, Of all people in the world, the Clutters were least likely to be murdered. Nancy Elwok, a close friend of Nancy Clutter, who claimed she was on her way to Clutter's home as any uh, any other normal Sunday for church, discovered them dead. She noticed no one would answer the door, and Nancy's purse was lying on the ground, which she was she said was quite unusual and knew something was up. The cause of death was first-degree murder, an intentional murder. They were all shot in the head. A few months later, after they were massacred. Strangers to the town, Richard Eugene Hickok and Perry Smith were arrested and then in April 14, 1965, executed for their murder. When we arrived at the Clutter's house, just like any other Sunday, no one answered. I knocked again and again and yet no one answered. Confused, my father drives me up to Susan Kidwell's apartment. Susan caught up to us, to the clutters, with me and my father. What did you and Susan decide to do? We went back to the clutters and decided to see what was going on. What did you uh, see and what do, uh, who did you see first? When we went into the house and upstairs towards Nancy's, we found her laying on her bed with blood splattered underneath her. How was that? What was the first thing that came to your mind when you saw her? I I thought she was dead and Susan tried to calm me down saying it was just a nosebleed and... Calm down, calm down. I need you to stay with me here. What did you do next? We went upstairs and dad drove Susan and went to find help. Uh, do you know of anyone who would have a grudge against the family or some sort of hatred? I do not. They were good people and never hurt no one. Not only was it a shock to the whole tranquil Holcomb town, but to the murderers as well. Detective Dewey headed towards Hickord's household, a small farm, about 44 acres. Walter was a farmer. He was well known as a nice but firm father. As for Mrs. Hickord, described as a plump woman with a small, soft, round face. Was nothing wrong with my boy, says Mr. Hickok to the investigator, Mr. Nye. An outstanding athlete, always on the first team at school. Basketball, baseball, football. Dick was always the star player. A pretty good pl- student, too, with A marks in several subjects. He wanted to go on to college, study to be an, an engineer. Oh, really? Talk about more about it. We couldn't do it. Playing didn't have the money, never had, had the money. I guess Dick resented it, not getting into college. He soon got married to a young girl named Carol and they su- sufficed themselves in debt, debt all the time. He always wanted things he never really could have for, or afford. Is this really uh, where he started to, started to gamble? Yeah, he started gambling and writing bad checks. But you know what? 
I still think the reason he started doing stunts such as that was connected with the smash up. Did you tell me a little more a little bit more about that? Got into a car accident and concussed his head. After that, he wasn't the same boy anymore. Alright, that's it. After listening to the interview between Mr. Hickok and KBA Agent I Nye, I checked all the statements made and yes he was a very good student and a very good athlete at that. Not only not always in as an outstanding as he was he may have been described, though genuinely and ironically a likable person. Perry didn't have too much family or anyone close that could be found to interview. However, later it was found that he was raised in challenging and problematic circumstances, abandoned at a young age and abused by his caregivers. Perry did have a traumatic childhood, definitely much less advantaged than Dick. In the day of December 30th, 1959, the two killers were arrested in Las Vegas right after leaving a post office. They were seized by Las Vegas police, who noticed them by the license plate number of the black and white 1956 Chevron they had stolen. Immediately taken into the interrogation room, they didn't know before capturing them was the, that the police had already interviewed Dick's former cellmate of Kansas State Pensionary and the past employee of Herb Clutter, Floyd Wells. Although they claimed there was no apparent motive in killing the Clutters, they did go into their home with a plan. This is a taped interview of Floyd Wells, male, 30 years of age. Why don't you go on and uh, go on and tell us what you know about the Clutter murder case? Okay, well, it began a long time ago, 11 years ago. I was sort of drifting off around the country, taking jobs as it came. One way or another, I found myself out there. I heard maybe they could use a handover to River Valley Farm. So you worked for Mr. Clutter? He put me on. I stayed there, I guess, a year all winter anyway. What made you stop working for Mr. Clutter? Go. Just because I was feeling kind of footy, wanted to move on, not account if any quarrel with Mr. Clutter. He treated me fine, same as he treated everybody that worked for him. What do you know about Richard Eugene Hickok? He was just the first fellow I sailed with. We sailed together, I guess a month, and he was in there, just finishing a three to five due in parole. And so, do you know about the, his relationship with the Clutter family? I don't exactly recall how Mr. Clutter first got mentioned. It must have been when we were discussing jobs and what we wanted to do when we got out of there or something. Anyway, I informed him how I worked a year on a concertable wheat spread in western Kansas for Mr. Clutter. He wanted to know if Mr. Clutter was a wealthy man. I said, yeah, he was, that he once told me he got rid of $10,000 in a week. I guess that caught his interest, him having money, because he never stopped asking me about the family from then on. So what kind of questions would he ask? Really informative and personal questions like, how many was they? What ages would the kids be now? Exactly how did you get to the house? How was the lead out? Did Mr. Clutter keep us safe? Let me stop you there. What did you respond with to the last question? Well, I'm not going to deny it. I told him that he'd keep one right in his office because I seemed to remember a sort of cabinet or safe or something. And the next second I knew of, he was talking nonsense about killing Mr. Clutter. Said him and Perry was going to go out there and rob the place and he was going to kill all the witnesses. Although there is not much physical evidence in the case and of Hickok and Smith being the killers, they did have enough proof to justify them guilty. The detectives presented to the killers some photographs of their footprints in the Clutter's home and found the murder weapon right in Dick's household. After long, troubling, stressing days of interrogating the two criminals, Richard Eugene Hitchcock finally admitted to the murder, but blamed it all on Perry. He quoted on, quote, claims Perry Smith killed all the clutters. It was Perry. I couldn't stop him. He killed them all. When Perry first heard about this, it didn't agitate him. 
but amused him to find out that the tough boy Dick was intimidated by him. He says that it didn't mean for it to happen that way, and that Hickok's story is false. This is a taped interview of Perry Edward Smith, male, taken into Elvin Dewey's car. Tell us about it, Perry. It all began when I received a letter from Dick. It mentioned that he was onto a cinch and urged me to come back to Kansas. Did this cinch involve the Clutter family? Yes. So what happened when you two met up? We met up at this one cafe. His folks don't like me too much. After that? Uh, he took me over to a hotel in Ola and talked over the plan. The plan of killing the clutters? Yes, but not exactly. What do you mean? Well, we intentionally went there to steal money. He said he sold with someone who'd once worked for a wealthy wheat grower out in western Kansas. Mr. Clutter. He knew everything about the layout of the house. The rooms, the bedrooms, the halls, everything. He said one of the ground floor rooms was used as an office, and in the office there was a safe. The plan was to rob the safe, and if we were seen, well, whoever saw us would have to go. Dick must have said it a million times. No witnesses. How many of these witnesses did he think there might be? I mean, how many people did he expect to find in the clutter house? That's what I wanted to know, but he wasn't sure. At least four, probably six, and it was possible the family might have guessed. He thought we ought to be ready to handle up to a dozen. So then what happened when you got to the clutter house? We parked in the shadows of the trees and just waited till it was cleared and all the lights were off. The doors were unlocked when we got to the front of the house. We put our gloves on and he carried the knife and the flashlight while I carried the gun. Dick flashed the light on. We saw the desk. The safe was supposed to be in the wall directly behind the desk, but we couldn't find it. So there was no safe in the location where it was set to be, but you guys kept on looking anyway. Yes, that's right. Go on. We woke up Mr. Clutter and he was definitely afraid of who was in his house, but we told him we were just a couple of salesmen and to lead us into his office to talk. That's when Dick started to get aggressive, shouted at him to show him the safe, but Mr. Clutter said he didn't have one. Dick kept on insisting and he kept on denying, making Dick even more furious. Dick wouldn't listen to me. He continued to boss around Mr. Clutter. So we went upstairs to his room. He gave us all he had in his wallet. It wasn't much, maybe around $30. All the commotion woke up the whole family and we locked them up in the bathroom. To keep looking for the safe? Yes. What happened after locking them up? Well, we just couldn't find the safe. Soon after that, we tied up Mr. Clutter and took him out to lead me to the basement. Dick stayed upstairs? That's right, to keep them quiet. Go on. I was downstairs in the basement with Mr. Clutter. Set the mattress that was there down so that he could be comfortable. Then took the boy down and comfortably sat and tied him up on the couch in the playroom that was also in the basement. Did the same to the rest of the family. And next thing you know, they were dead. I didn't mean to harm them. Seriously. Then why'd you do it? Well, you see, Dick and I were having a discussion. And I was disgusted as to how I ever admired him. I told him, either we leave now and get at least a 10-year sentence, or we kill them all and get away. He didn't respond. I asked him to give me the knife. He gave it to me. I held it up to Mr. Clutter, expecting Dick to stop me, to admit he was a phony and a coward. He didn't. And then we killed them all. Dick, the two girls, and I, the two guys. So those are the key points. Perry confessed to the murder crime, and they both did it. It was his story that Alvin Dewey told in trial, and the state's case against Perry Edward Smith and Richard Eugene Hickok.